Welcome to Between the Before and After, a podcast about the stories that shape us. I'm your host, Coach John McLernan, and each episode I bring you an inspiring guest with a moving story that shines a light on the power of the human spirit. Before we dive in, I want to let you know about two very important things. Number one, the stories shared here are often gritty, raw, and vulnerable, and very likely will include speaking about sensitive topics suited for a mature audience. Number two, This podcast is also broadcast live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So on whatever platform you follow myself or Freedom Nutrition Coaching, you have the opportunity to participate in this discussion during the live stream. And we encourage your participation both by commenting and asking questions. And so this podcast is about exploring the stories that take place between the before and after photos, not just in the realm of weight loss, but in all areas of life. So let's dive in. All right, I'm very excited about today's episode because usually I say today we have a special guest, but actually today we're talking in plural because I have special guests plural with me. I've got Michael and Victoria, which both of have a pretty fantastic story, and we're going to dive into it. But we decided in the pre-show chat that we're going to let uh, Victoria introduce Michael and Michael introduce Victoria. So we're, we're going to see how this goes, but there's a pretty incredible story here, so you're not going to want to miss this. So. I'll turn it over to you, Victoria and Michael, and uh, let, you, let you introduce yourselves and share with the audience um, a little bit about the story. Hey, John. Thanks for uh, having us on today. So I am with my lovely wife and soulmate, Victoria Curie, uh, whom I met over 20 years ago as a law enforcement officer. Um, and uh, Did you arrest her or... No, I, w- I was hazed at the time. She hazed me with my partner. Okay. <laughs> and I was called I was called to the location by my partner and advised by this young lady with gorgeous auburn red hair at the time, just fire red, that I had wrote her a ticket and I and I strictly advised her, no ma'am, I did not write you a ticket. But um yes, so um she she is an amazing woman and uh all the things that she's been through uh, during that uh, 20 year interval um, has led us to, you know, being married and happily, happily married today with absolutely no argument in between the, those 20 years. We've okay. never had an argument. So already I'm curious, uh, was this a setup or ha- like, were you like new, like at this time, just like fresh out of school, a recruit and like yes. a Victoria, did you know his partner or something like that? Or did you know, you know, well, I taught law enforcement <clears throat> and so I okay. actually knew uh, a couple of the guys, and they were like, hey, we got a rookie just got into FTO training. Do you want to help pay them? I'm like, sure, whatever. And yeah, yeah. I've trained hundreds and hundreds of officers by this point. I'm like, okay, whatever. He comes up, and like my grandparents always said, you'll know when you meet the one you just know, and I thought they were full of malarkey. <laughs> and he gets out, and I'm like, I'm in so much trouble. I just knew. I knew instantly. <laughs> and he said, I wouldn't have written you a ticket. I said, you did. And he's like, where did I write you a ticket? And his partner's like pointing to the street behind and he's standing behind him. And I was like, um, right out here. And I botched it so bad. And then we dated for four years. Right. right. And then we broke up. Oh dear. So that, that's where things take a little bit of a challenging turn. So uh, Victoria, you, you get to introduce uh, Michael a little bit here as well, so we get a bit, a bit of his backstory. We're already learning a little bit. He was a law enforcement officer, and uh, you were involved in a hazing, but something about during that hazing process, 
you said, I need to know more about this guy. And um, uh, I actually like <clears throat> said to my grandparents, thank you. I get it now. And so I just knew. And even though I was traveling for work and everything else, my world was all around him. him. It was just him. And <clears> through <throat> those four years and I would like go and bring him homemade dinner at night while he was on duty. I would, if he had a cold, I would get up at three in the morning and take a cold medicine. Um, and I would sit in the car with him. Like every night he worked, we were together. And uh, <clears throat> he literally had homemade food every day. Like I'd bring him food. <laughs> so he's, he's well, well taken care of. What, what was it about, about Michael that made you go, this is the guy? Um, it wasn't the uniform. They don't do anything for me because I was wearing one of my own at that point. But yeah. it was his eyes that yeah. just got it. It's a little weird saying that for two men in the room. But it, it, it's his eyes and his smile. And I wouldn't have noticed if he was in the uniform or not because this is all I saw was his face. Yeah. He said there's something about this. There's there's a good soul in here. Yes. <laughs> Well, that, that, that's pretty touching. And so things took a little bit of a turn. You, you end up uh, breaking up. Uh, if, if, if You don't have to share too much about this, but I'm kind of curious if you know if you felt like I've met my soulmate, but we ended up parting ways. Was it were you just both young and you know realized, hey, I don't know if we're ready to like commit to a life together? I'm not or... telling him to say that. <laughs> what, uh, what what led to that happening? So um, John, like uh, most cops. Um, I was considered um, um, somewhat <laughs> of a whore. <laughs> okay. No, whores get paid. Yes. Well, tramp. I was okay. on duty, so. A tramp. Yeah. So um, <laughs> as, as, as a uniform officer, uh, a lot of uniforms, uh, doctors, firemen, police officers, there there's a lot of attention brought to us, you know, despite our facial features and it doesn't matter how ugly you are. Um, you're going to get solicited for some type of, you know, engagement, you know, relationship, <laughs> you know, no, it, it's relations. just, there's no ship at the end. Yes. So relations. There's no ship. <laughs> John for four years, never even looked at another man, didn't talk to another man, nothing. One of his officers that worked with him hit on me when I was with my best friend at dinner one night. And he was like, you're such a, <clears throat> because I was like, you know, shut up, walk away. Like, no. And my best friend was like, hey, you know, hi, I'm over here. So it was probably three or four weeks later, I was sitting outside with him at an extra job, and the guy walks up. He's like, I know you. I know you. And then he goes, oh, you were that beep that was so rude to me. And I was like, see? Never did I hate this cheat on you. Ever. Never, ever. So, so there, there's this – is, this is something I'm not aware of. I mean, I spent time in the military, and – I only ever recall that happening when I was down in Portland for the Rose Festival and our Navy ships are docked down there. And I, we were we had to walk down the street in uniform. There's a lot of people trying to drag us into bars and offer us drinks and things like that. But uh, so being, being in uniform draws a lot of attention from those who would like to engage in temporary relations with you, shall we say. Yes. yes. Interesting. Is it something to do with the authority figure or? <laughs> That and 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 other things, you know, they think uh, uniform makes a lot of money and they can help them out in situations. So okay, so it's like know. maybe looking for I I scratch your back or front and you right. scratch mine. <laughs> is that is that what what it is? Yeah, I want to I want to see if I can get a favor in my pocket or something like that by by making you know something in your pocket. So <laughs> if, if there's any law enforcement uh, spouses out there listening, 
Um, you know, check it. Check your man. Check. You know, if he comes home late, you know, smell that. Smell that uniform. You know, <laughs> check his okay. hands. Um, of course, okay. you know the the phone is a give me. But uh, yeah, yeah. So so. Needless to say, uh, there you were you were maybe a little bit young and reckless at that time, right? Young and foolish at that yes. time, and early twenties, so, early twenties. You know, not maybe from a small town in Sticksville, nowhere, and so getting attention like this kind of throws you a little bit off guard. You weren't quite prepared for it, and absolutely. Uh, so then, then you end up parting ways. So for you, Michael, like who who broke it off here? Who said, okay, look, we need to take a break from this. This isn't working. I did. Yeah. No. Was that because you felt guilty about your own behavior or? Uh... No. Uh, well, yes, it was. But also because uh, my wife called us cheating. Oh, okay. So. I actually ended it, not you. Yes. You said you ended it. Well. I ended it. His actions <laughs> ended it, but I ended it. Yeah. Okay, fair, fair enough. That, that's the way to put it. So you, you decide to part ways, and and was there like any contact at that point? You're like, okay, that's it. We're not, we're, we're done. We're not talking to each other again. Did you live in the same Randomsville, uh, Sixville? Yeah, but I, I didn't get back with her um, through the through you know telecommunications for several years. No, you're missing the part where you went to court with me. And- oh yes, yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I'm talking about it after all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he hasn't done the part. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. so th- things take things take a little bit of a turn here uh, for for you, Victoria. So you go and find yourself in a, a, a things break off in a rebound relationship. Uh, so you're you're in an emotionally vulnerable state, and you find yourself in a rebound relationship. Uh, th- this other individual you end up in a relationship with. Um, what was it that sort of drew you to them, if anything? Wasn't his looks. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. He knew my wants were to have a family that was so important to me. I wanted children mm-hmm. and he played that and men that are these predators are amazing at manipulation and they are really good at making it spin to it's your fault and making you believe that, you know, why you, like he actually said to me, why won't you let me in? I told him I wasn't in love with him. And he was like, why won't you let me in? Because somebody else put that wall up for you, but I didn't. So why are you excluding me from being in there with you? And then I felt like crap. I was like, you know, and then it was, you know, when I was overseas, this happened and this happened and this happened. And you, you really just feel like, and I even said, can't we wait like six more months if it's meant to be, it'll be. And he just mocked one straight down to uh, get us married. So, so you, of course, at this point, maybe you're not, you don't know what to look for in terms of red flags or relational red flags so much. Was there, was there anything like early on in that relationship that made you go, hmm, I'm not so sure about this? I knew on my wedding day because I was looking at my Palm Pilot for return flights before I even got married. So what, what made you what made you go through with that marriage? <clears throat> I had I sat on the bathroom floor and I was crying and I literally was just like something amazing is gonna come out of this. And so it was just a, one of the most overpowering experiences I ever had. And so I got up, we got married, and we were pregnant very quickly. It was one of the only couple of times that we had consensual sex. Everything else was without my permission and right. and the abuse started right after I got pregnant. <clears throat> so prior to, prior to you being pregnant, there, there wasn't abuse. Well, I traveled for work and I okay. lived by myself and he lived in a smaller dinkier town mm-hmm. a little bit away. So we didn't need to spend the quality time he wanted. And so that's another reason he was pushing for 
me to get out of my apartment and move in with him. And so, so try, trying to bring you into his control. Right. Yeah. But, but it may not have seemed like that in the beginning because those who are manipulators, they're really good at, at framing and manipulating and playing to your emotions. And then, yes. um, yeah. So you mentioned that mo most of your, your sexual relations were not consensual. Um, yes. Did you know at the time that that was the case? Like, was it coercion? Was it physical? You know, like what, what went through your head? Like, Hey, something's not right here. You know? And of course, in, in asking this question, I recognize I'm asking a really sensitive question. So you, you don't have to share anything you don't, you don't feel comfortable sharing. Um, we got married and then we drove back cross country. Mm -hmm. And then we just stopped at some random hotel off the exit because I was exhausted. And I went to bed and he watched ESPN or something on the television. And <clears throat> then I believe it was a... 10, 14 day period after that, uh, I was staying there that I never slept overnight at his house, never did anything with him. And it, 10, 14 days later, we started moving my stuff from my place into his. And then um, he wanted me to quit my job because he didn't want me traveling anymore. He wanted me local. And so that was a, a deal and a half. And then we got pregnant right after I got pregnant is when it all started. Okay. So, so, and, and of course, hindsight being 2020, we look back and we go, oh my gosh, like there are all of these steps where he was trying to basically put you into his control. Mm -hmm. And maybe, because I mean, I, I've not to, not to the severity you have, but I've been involved in a, in a relationship with a narcissist. And it's actually, when, when you look back, you go, wow, there were all these things that I didn't see at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so prior to that, he had not been physically abusive to you. I wasn't around that all much, but what is, you know, the way that an abuser works is that he has that love courting, love bombing stage. Mm, then yeah. he starts to kind of mouth off slowly until he can escalate it where he's already gotten you out of the eye, you know, eye of your friends and family. So he was in that pattern. He was in those phases, but it didn't take long at all. Once, I mean, we, once I moved in, and got everything set up. It, it wasn't even a couple of weeks before. It was like now, now, I, now you're under my control. That's it. Now mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you play by my rules and so on. Yes. And so uh, you're pregnant, and the the abuse started. The physical abuse started. Yes. And how how frequent was this this taking place? Well, in the beginning, it was once a day, like. And it would be just like a pop on the face. First time he hit me, he threw a cell phone across the room and then he punched me in the face. And I was like, that did not just happen. I know that it didn't just happen. And then it would be like a slap or, you know, and then as time went on with the pregnancy, it became an everyday ordeal. And I'm not talking about like a slap in your face and one hit, I don't care if it's a kick punch, whatever, it's not okay to do to another person. Mm. It's not. So then once, you know, probably six weeks or so into the pregnancy, that's when it got really bad and until she came my daughter came it, it escalated and escalated and escalated the violence was 10 times more <clears throat> than it was prior to the beginning and so when, when this starts to take place and you realize something's horribly wrong here because i think there, there might be an out, like outside observers here who who hear something like this okay you're pregnant this, this person is now really beating on you and physically abusing you and it's clear to an outside observer that something's horribly wrong in this relationship and maybe mm -hmm. they, they've i'm sure you've been asked this question people wonder well 
what what prompted you to stay in that relationship or what what was it that prevented you more likely what prevented you from leaving that relationship if things are taking a really bad physically abusive turn well john i would say <clears throat> the first thing is when i tried to leave the first time he went outside and shot and killed our puppy to show what he would do to me if i tried to leave and wow. that that to this day still haunts me because it's a dog. It's a, you know, it was a six month old puppy. You don't, you don't do that. Like you don't hit right. women either. Or men sure. Either. Yeah. But this, yeah. this was like the, the most innocent, helpless. There right. was entirely unprofessional. But, but now you're seeing the psychopathic side, the side that has no remorse. And right. And nobody would do anything to help me. And so I knew I was going to have to get my stuff in order to survive. So I became in that life fight or flight mode. Um, <laughs> he had to take the dog to the vet. And so he kept saying, do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? I didn't know that area at all. And so we got to the vet and he walks in and he's like, my wife and I got a dinner and we came home and I found my dog shot. And I was just, I, I looked at him and they said, well, we got to call the police. And then he's like, no, please don't do that. I'm, I'm hurting so bad. I lost my puppy. Please don't. I, I just can't. And they said, well, did they break in your house? And he said, no, they got, you know, into the backyard. I guess they maybe wanted something that was in the backyard. And I literally just dumbfounded and he slipped up and said, well, the other dog was in the house. And the lady was like, well, why, why didn't the other dog get hurt? And he, he said, well, I guess they jumped the fence and the dog tried to attack to protect his home and they never made it inside the house. I mean, I couldn't believe how quick he was to come up with something like that because I wouldn't have expected that to be asked. And so they made a report, um, and they took care of the animal for him. And that was just heart-wrenching. So I knew that I needed to get my stuff together. And I went to so many people asking for help in the military. I kept saying, this is going on. He's going to kill me. Um, he broke my face. In was he, was he an individual in the military? or? Yes. yes. Okay. So he's serving the armed forces and this is happening. And you tried to bring attention to it to like superiors or? Yes, his platoon. Yes. Right. And, and, and they w said like, that's not the person that we know. Or... Oh, they said, why did you make him mad? Why did you just do what he wanted? And, wow. Uh, he broke my nose in front of his captain and it didn't do a thing. Just nothing. He watched him do it. The captain watched him do it. And no but, response. No. Well, the average military family has a one in three domestic violence situation. If that's the number, how many are being reported? And they're constantly being covered up. And I know yeah. not all military is bad. I know that, but yeah, I happen absolutely. to get a really crappy platoon. Well, th that and I mean, obviously, those especially those who see active duty come back like with a damaged psyche and, and are not like the same same individual. Um, and so, you, how how long did you remain uh, trapped in this relationship? I left right before our one year anniversary. Okay, and at this time, your daughter had been born, or yes, yeah. And so in the, in the time that you, so it's, it's almost a one-year relationship where you're trapped, very, very physically abusive, you're suffering a lot. Um, you, you must have suffered a lot of injuries in that time. I did. And was there any doctors that were starting to wonder about this? Or, I mean, did you go to military hospitals? Or how did that not sort of raise red flags, if I may ask? Well, as a civilian, I went to a civilian OB, and she was the baby doctor. And I had to have such... He gave me such strong uh, words, uh, Jonathan, like, I can't have a female that's black. I can't have anyone that's black. It can't be a man, only to be a woman, blah, blah, blah. Well, 
he had come up a couple times because he wanted to know why I wasn't home yet. And he knew I had an appointment. So he would just show up, he'd show up at my office. If I took too long at the grocery store, he'd show up at the grocery store. I mean, this is just what he would do. And so um, he was mad that I was going to be late putting dinner on the table because I was still in the appointment. Well, they were doing ultrasounds. You know, I wanted to see the baby. I was so excited. And he, came mm-hmm. early. And he, he hit me in front of the doctors. So they did sworn affidavits. Um, they had the medical records and photographs took it to his captain and they just nothing was was he again i understand obviously some details are sensitive but was he some sort of high-ranking individual or some sort of valued asset or something like that like i what what sort of baffles me in hearing this is what what did they stand to gain by protecting him covering their own butts because i went to the two highest commanding people in his platoon and they didn't do anything so technically i could have gone after both of them Mm. And they would have gotten an Article 15 and they could have gotten, you know, pay. What is it called? Where you lose your pay for a little while. Right. And so they they did absolutely nothing. And it was never a he said, she said case. I had proof to every individual thing that ever happened. Right. And did he deny any of this? No, I have him on audio recording for over 17 hours just bragging about what he did. Wow. And so I know that you have had many, many surgeries over the, over the, the ensuing years here. Um, were they all a result of what you suffered at his hands during that year that you spent with him? I would say 95%. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you care to share, um, what are some of the things that the permanent ramifications, physical ramifications that were a result of you like being in that relationship? Um, well, I have, a metal in my foot. I have had both my knees have to had surgery. Um, I've had bilateral jaw replacement. So the top and bottom are all replaced. You can see that I've lost my hearing. My, my, yeah, my eardrums ruptured so badly from the abuse. My nose broken. Um, he, he's, I'm trying to make sure this is okay and, and not get over in specifics for your listeners. Um, he tried to cut her out of me through my groin. So I have, Scars there, he stabbed me a dozen times. And he would take me to the military hospital and they would just go in there and they're like, well, we have to set your jaw, we have to set your nose, you know, let's stitch all this up. And one of them had over, it was almost 400 stitches and I wouldn't take anything, no pain meds and nothing. And it was like, I'm right here for my daughter, nothing, I'm not gonna take it. And I told them, I said, I didn't get any pain meds, what you did it, I'm not taking pain meds now. So. That you know, he he got away with everything, and then some. It's mind blowing. It it really is like it, what to to hear this sort of thing. Like it, it seems like how how is this possible, and how you know uh, how is it possible that all of this you, you know managed to get covered up and, and whatnot? So what? So then, so you, you suffered many broken bones, um, stab wounds, um, mm-hmm. broken jaw, uh, things nose. like that. Nose. My skull. Uh, my skull's been cracked in the back. Skull, fractured skull, um, hearing loss. Mm-hmm. What what gave you the like? And, and you say like you reached out for help, and for for that period of time, you were not getting help. Right. Also had a shoulder replacement. I'm just trying to get through it in my head. Um, yeah. I had a stab uh, scar from my left eye where he tried to cut my eye out. Um, then um, I kept going to the advocacy team on the military base and I even had their business card and the lady had her name on it and her personal cell phone number on it and said there's something called transitional compensation. I would never have known that if I had not been told. And 
they, when I got out, they didn't give me a thing. Nothing. Wow. So you, you must have been in fairly rough shape when it came time to deliver your, your baby daughter. I was given a 2% chance to survive and I was unrecognizable. Wow. Like, and, and I wonder like what, what, goes to the mind of somebody like this when they're inflicting this on you? Like, is it, was there anything like, what was his, uh, I say reasoning, not as though it was reasonable, but what, what was his justification, if any, for doing this? Or is, you know, how did he describe his actions? Because if I had just done what you wanted me to do, this wouldn't have happened. But that's not true. If you had a bad day or you got cut off at home, he's still going to come home and make you his punching ground. It doesn't matter if everything else is perfect. It's, I mean, like, I have really bad chap lips during my pregnancy. And I try to get chapstick for that. And then all of a sudden I'm a whore and I'm this and I'm that. You know, you can't wear this. You can't dress like this. And I always dress. I mean, he'll tell you I was always in like three-piece business suits. I was always, you know, I never wore anything, huh? Yes. I never wore anything that was revealing. I was, you know, I was an executive. I was professional. And I maintained that. And it was, you know, he had to have control over everything. He took the bathroom door off because he didn't think I needed to be in the bathroom alone. Wow. This is like sort of un unbelievable in, in terms of, of hearing it, this degree of, of control that he exerted over you. So as all of this is happening, you know, after, let's say after a, like a violent incident has occurred, what is going through your mind? You know, how many times did you consider leaving or running away or, or somehow getting yourself out of that situation? Every day, but I needed to be able to do it and live to tell about it. He told me he would make sure that he got my daughter, our daughter and not let me ever see her again. And so, so I had would, to, I had to make sure I had enough to make that not ever happen. Uh, enough evidence in other words, so yes. that because he could potentially lie in court and now was this taking place in the obviously we're not going to name the location, but was this taking place in the same city or town where you and Michael had met or been together and known each other? Was this all in the same location or had you moved locations? the same location sort of yes yeah. yes not far away right not far away so when when this relationship's going sideways and you're suffering horribly at the hands of this this psychopathic abuser were, was there any communication happening between you and michael um i did call him once and reached out he was my call he was my reach out call and um i couldn't make myself go see him because i didn't want him to see me that way but right. When she came, I mean, he even came to the NICU this year. Um, when she did come and I was able to finally get on my feet enough, um, he went to court with me. And so he's he's been my rock. And I tell him that all the time, but he just kind of was me. But yes, he's, mm -hmm. been, he's been my absolute rock through all of it. So how, how did you, so you stayed in this until your daughter was born and then there came a point in time where you said this is absolutely it i i have no other option i have to leave because my life is going to end at this point how did you how did you get your way out of it and who, who helped you if anyone to actually leave that situation uh well he would follow me to my work exit to make sure i was there and then i had like 10 minutes to be in my office for him to call and verify the caller id that i was in my office and um he would just sporadically show up. If my office was all glass, so he wanted to know who was in there with me. I had another senior executive come in there one day, and he barged in. He's like, what are you doing in here alone with my wife? And, you know, and he's like, we're having a meeting. You know, this was like some 65-year-old guy just crossed the table, and we're just having a meeting, and he blew up. So um, I kept trying to get more and more evidence. I kept trying to go for help. 
I was turned away by the military. Uh, so I ended up really just going to the civilian sector at that point. Um, I was granted uh, restraining orders and temporary protective orders. I asked the military to do a uh, military protective order on him. I even asked him to be transferred until this was all taken care of, and it was denied. Yeah. Again, that, that sort of, I mean, maybe because I'm a reasonable human being, I listen to this and it just, it just absolutely like blows my mind that, that this was permitted to take place and, and just kind of swept under the carpet as you're going through this. So not, you've suffered many, many physical injuries at this point. Um, and you've got, you've got many, many scars. Um, was it after you had left this individual that you then reconnected with Michael? Uh, I went, in the, in the NICU, if a baby, God forbid, it has to have a surgery, they'll close the unit down and everybody has to leave the unit because the baby won't make it to the OR. So they had closed the unit down to do a surgery and it was going to be closed for like four or five hours. And I just didn't want to sit in that hospital until then. So I called him and we met. He was at work. And when he saw me, it was devastating because the look on his face was just heart-wrenching for me to know he was seeing me like that and the pain I saw on him. Um, but he went with me to court and sat by, sat by me and, you know, took me around the corner before it started and told me that I had this. And he was just the complete gentleman rock. <clears throat> so, so Michael, in all of this, so after the breakup had occurred, were you aware that, uh, until, you know, that any of this was taking place or did, you know, what, what did you know of, of Victoria in this stretch of time? No, I, I, you know, being an active law enforcement officer, I, I didn't know that the physical abuse was going on. Mm. So, yeah, not until, uh, you know, I got the call and we went to court. Yeah. And you'd bumped into her once uh, during the, uh, during her pregnancy. Is that right? No, I called him. You, you, oh, that's right. You called him. Okay. Yeah. And he wanted to meet me, but I couldn't do it. Right. But after the baby was born, you said, Hey, I need, you know, and Michael, what, what was running through your mind when you, you see Victoria? Cause she, uh, I guess does not look like the person you met before. And you realize that she's been through hell. Right. What runs, what runs through your mind? That, that I had to do whatever I could at the time to help. And, um, when I, when I saw our daughter, you know, that's when I gave her the, the nickname that she has till this day. Yeah. Yeah. So you said, I've, I've got to do whatever I can to help her get out of the situation she's in or. Right. Yeah. And, and what does that look like? I mean, you were used to, you were still single at this time or. Uh, no, no, no. If you recall back up, uh, I, I was married. So, okay. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so you, yeah. you had a, a relationship, a previous relationship, a previous marriage that uh, didn't, didn't yes. work out. And that, 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 you know, I'll admit was on the rocks uh, being a law enforcement officer. You, uh, you, you, you leave your bed cold. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So a lot it's of a us real, we work extra jobs, um, yeah. part-time jobs to make ends meet because uh, law enforcement and just like teachers, you don't get paid enough. So 44,000 a year to be a police officer it, it is not enough. So yeah. I worked a lot of extra jobs and I was away from the house a lot. Right. Uh, so, you know, yes. So the result of that is you, you had a difficult marriage and then, and so you bump into Victoria and um, was there a part of you that went like, gosh, I like, you know, I, I missed, I missed an opportunity here. Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. <clears throat> 
So then what, what, uh, how, how do we get to the place where you decide, look, I gotta, I gotta make this right. I gotta, I, I, I need this woman in my life. I don't want her to not be in my life again. How am I going to, how am I going to make this happen? Oh, th that's when, uh, I had to wait on my second wife to leave me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, you know, here's, here's where things I think get really kind of, kind of interesting. And so uh, at a certain point you, you recommitted to each other in a relationship. Um, and did you, did you and Victoria marry? Oh, uh, I won't even say it was like almost instant. We like, we, we know, we absolutely know uh, right. that, that we were so mates that we should have, you know, got together way back yonder. Um, but, you know, er everything happens for a reason, John, you know, yeah. whether we, we look at it and say, you know, I don't know why this happened at the time. Uh, it, it, there's a reason we just mm. may not see it. Yeah. So now Victoria is not going to be this at this point. She's not the same person that you used to knew, know in one sense, like in her soul she is, but now um, there's, there's the psychological damage. There's the trauma. There's the physical damage that's taken place that, you know, countless, sur I, I don't know, probably there's more surgeries that came after the fact, you know, um, and so to try to help somebody navigate that and feel safe in a relationship, like Victoria, you know, you've just been through a, an, an immensely brutal relationship that left you nearly dead. You know, yeah. how did that affect, like, you know, you're going, did you, did you still, despite all of that, know that, that with Michael, that you're with somebody safe? Yes. He's the only person ever because I was strangled. Um, he was the only person who can touch my neck without me flipping out. It was a, that's a trigger point for me. So, yeah. like, if any of my friends are like, oh, I got a picture, I don't know, do, 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 do. He can, and it doesn't, it doesn't phase me at all. Yeah. Yeah. You try to hit the doctor one time. Okay. <laughs> and, he, and you just grinned at the doctor and said, sorry, doc. <laughs> yeah, because he touched my throat. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. do that. Yeah. So, you know, not, you, you then have a, like, a long road of recovery after this. And, um, just thinking there must've been a lot of like, you know, you've been through all kinds of trauma and it, you know, obviously it's hard to cover 16 years in 15 minutes kind of thing, but we think about, okay, you know, the first, the first year kind of back together with, with you and Michael, what, what was that like for you? You know, was it, was it a bumpy road? Like you said, you've never had a fight, but I mean, what is it like watching somebody, maybe I'll ask Michael this question. What is it like watching somebody who's just been through hell, try to rebuild themselves? It's real hard, John, to to keep it all in and, and not be discouraged uh, because of the walls that are put up. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, I consider myself a real simple, you know, redneck kind of guy, you know, not a lot of uh, edu education. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I have very little tact. You know, I'm very I'm very raw. Um, and, as you know, like uh, they said on Dragnet. You know, just the facts, ma'am. So yeah. when, when I approach uh, my wife, Victoria, and our daughter, um, I approach it, uh, their difficulties, uh, their obstacles, their challenges, uh, kind of like what I, I do with, uh, I'm sorry, training canine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I start getting acclimated to certain sights and sounds prior to going into, you know, the real heavy stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. When, when we say when we say walls, uh, um, what, what sort of walls? You know, neither Victoria or Michael, you can share. What sort of walls are that, that you experience? It's yeah. eighty-seven degrees right now where we're at. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty warm. And so that that's, that's a result of the scarring mm -hmm. and um, you know, the, the mental abuse that she, she took. And that's, that's, that's my wall and my obstacle that I have to help her to overcome, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that's, that's on me. And, and it's, it has a lot of patience on both far ends. You know, you yeah. just you have to have patience. I, I can't push her uh, so far, uh, even though I right. try it at times, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm very jovial about it at times and I get around with her. Um, but, you know, there, there's a limit. You know, I, I have to say that, in my own defense, I've come a long way because you absolutely have. I used to yeah. not be able to look at anyone in the eyes. I'm always down like this. I jumped at every noise, yeah. everything, yeah. and I don't do any of that anymore. Right. So yeah, well, I imagine Michael must have like hurt your heart to to see this and just want with oh like my all God, of it. Did he really? <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> like to to look at this and just think like all you want to do is help this this beautiful woman, you know, thrive. You just right. you just want that for her. And it hurts your heart to see that there's all of this that she has to work through in order in order for her to you know really shine in, in all of her glory. Yes. And so it, it, it's so you have to kind of tuck some of that aside and selflessly do it. And you must there's a reason why you, you do this and why you're willing to do this. Yes. She's absolutely my soulmate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, time and time again, John, I, I could I could be at, you know, Walmart and say, I want to buy that broom that's yellow with a black handle. And and I'll be doggone if she don't give me a call and say, hey, babe, I just ordered a yellow broom with a black handle through Amazon. And <laughs> it's always that way. Always yeah, everything, you know. Yeah. So, and, and you know, when you meet that that one and, and you have that type of connection you know, just grab her and don't let go y'all. Mm, yeah. And so for you, Victoria, then I wonder it like in, in all of this, there's certain things that are triggers there's certain things that are, you're extremely sensitive about and cautious about because you've been you know, traumatized physically, mentally, emotionally, and so on. Is there an awareness where you're like, I wish this wasn't a trigger. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where like it's coming from obviously trauma is this incredibly complex phenomena that 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 affects the brain in ways that we're actually only really just beginning to understand. But do you feel a sense of awareness that like I wish this wasn't a trigger for me? Yes, uh, I, I would say you know a lot with her throat. Mm -hmm. um, that 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 took some some very delicate um, hands on in my part. Yeah. Fair enough, because uh, Victoria, if I understand, you were also trained in martial arts. Is that right? Yes, I actually was trained, and I obtained two black belts, and I actually used to compete nationally. Okay, but when it came to the, the individual that you were in a relationship with, uh, you never you never used that to protect yourself, or no? Because I made a deal with the devil. I told him as long as he didn't touch her, I wouldn't fight him back. Because one of the very first things you've learned in any martial art training, my sensei always said. You stop it, defend it, get out. Those are those are the mm -hmm. all you never throw the first punch. You you know keep yourself at a distance where you can get to them if you have to. Do not ever throw the first punch. And so with all the sparring that you do with to go to your next level of belts and stuff, I think that helped me tremendously with the impacting of the hits and kicks and stuff that I got. Being able um, to absorb some of the punishment. Right. But I knew that I couldn't de-escalate him at that point to get out and survive because he would straddle me in the middle of the night and be hitting my face one side to the other, telling me he was thirsty and I needed to go get him some water. 
and that's how he would wake me up. So I knew that that was just not going to be a pack and go. I had to fight to make sure my daughter and I were safe and out of its area. So this this individual, did they ever end up being punished for their crimes? No, but he has to see himself in the mirror every day. Right. So this individual never, never, never did any jail time for the crimes that he committed. No, even though I had everything dead to rights, I had photographs, medical records, sworn affidavits, audio, everything, but it was a technicality on who took out the warrants because he was active and I'm a civilian. So it was still out. So again, the, the, you know, being in the military somehow and, and, with, with all of this evidence being out and whatnot, there was no like dishonorable discharge or anything like that? No. No. So, uh, I mean, I assume that you, you have no contact with this individual any further. No, yeah, we don't. My, my, our daughter and I both have uh, protective orders mm -hmm. still. And um, I've not gone looking for him. Right. And yeah. He has admitted that he's scared of me when I'm not pregnant. Because so. you, you might actually fight back? Well, I told him that I would never hit him first, no matter what. But if he came at me or our kid, then I have the right to defend and stop the threat. Mm. So was he a physically like an imposing individual or, you know, like, I guess what I'm curious about here, and you may not have, no, but do you know much of his backstory? Like how somebody gets to the place where they behave like this? You know, was he traumatized as a kid? No, I can tell you that. Like, for instance, you go to get your military ID, and I came in there one afternoon, and he had to meet me in there, and I gave the name and all, and they said, we don't have anyone by that name with that DOB, and I was like, you do? So he got furious that, you know, he had to make a big deal about it, and he talked to the lady quietly, and then said, just take this one for now, we'll deal with it later, you know, I gotta get back, and I was like, what? And it showed that he was younger than me, even though he looked so much older than me. And you don't card your, your guy you're dating. You don't say, can I see your driver's license or whatever. Um, and then I found out there was multiple other wives that I didn't know about. He has no kid I didn't know about. Um, and these are all things that I didn't know at that point. Mm. So the, the, there's no real clue, though, as to like how he became the, the monster that he, he was that you know about from his past history? Uh, he portrayed himself as this amazing heartfelt person but you can say it but if you don't see it then you know yeah. it's questionable because he would say all the time all these things he's doing for everybody but there was never anything past the verbalization there was no physical evidence yeah. or anything of that nature and um that that was you know kind of a an interesting flag for me too because he would say something and do just the opposite right yeah so so then if, if we fast forward to, to today, you know, you've covered many years and a lot of ground and many surgeries and probably many rounds of therapy. And, you know, you've, you've just come a tremendously long way when a lot of women and in situations that would have wanted to give up, you know, um, I, don't, I don't want to ask you anything incriminating, but has the thought ever crossed your mind to somehow carry out any kind of vengeance to ensure that this individual is not able to harm another person, either for you, Michael or Victoria? I've got a hole in the backyard. I've got IV set up and blood transfusion. <laughs> Pulling a Dexter, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, know, you know, like I, I think Michael, for example, did, have you ever are, are, have you ever met this other individual? Yes, they met three times total, and they okay. hated each other with nuclear capability. They hated each other. I've okay. never seen two people hate each other when they didn't really know each other. 
Right. Well, there, there's probably something unspoken there because a recognition on, on this other this other guy's part, the recognition that the connection that the two of you have that he could never have, that he tried to have through force and coercion and control and violence and so on. And here, this is one that, that you know, is simply because of who you are, you know, that you get to have this kind of connection. Right. And so, yeah, it, it you know, and, and Michael, I just wonder, you, you've been in law enforcement and, you know, if ever there was the thought that crossed your mind of, you know, getting a few buddies and, and maybe just carrying out some sort of, uh, I don't know, call it small town justice or things like that. <laughs> Yes, you 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 uh you have those thoughts cross your mind, you know, and yeah. and how and where to place the body, and you know, what to place around that body, you know, and <laughs> you know have other officers back you up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's it's you know ultimately um, because you value the life that you have together, you prefer not to do something that would get you incarcerated. And that's that's why she uh, maintains the uh, secret location of where he's at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she won't. Uh, she won't divulge that information to me. Well, he won't divulge to me when we were in court. He was sitting beside me, and I said, "He's here." And they're like, "He's not here yet." And like a minute later, he walks in with his girlfriend, and I, I was, and he had his captain with him, and the captain was carrying a Bible, and he was going to be a character witness for this idiot. And so we see him get up and go to the bathroom, and two seconds later, he gets up and goes to the bathroom, and I'm like, "Oh, why can't I be a dude right now? I want to be in there and see what that means with that." And so, I don't know, three, four minutes later, out comes Idiot with this, like, washed face look. And I'm looking for blood. I'm looking for limps. I'm looking for anything. And then he comes back in. And he sits down beside me. And I was like, you have to tell me what happened. Better you don't know. No, 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 no. No, you need to tell me what happened in that. Ba- I still don't know. I still okay. Don't know. And it's not something that you, Michael, that I probably can't uh, convince you to <laughs> divulge to the state. Oh, no. This this is an excellent negotiator right here. This, if she can get it out of me, there's no, <laughs> no way, John. <laughs> fair, fair enough. But suffice to say, there was some sort of communication that took place that uh, made, made it clear that should there be uh, you know, any, any sort of threat of harm ever made again, that there would be a reckoning that would be so incredibly painful that um, – he would regret it for the rest of his limited lifespan or something along those lines. He put it so eloquently. But that's, not you, that's not what you would have done. You would have said it like that. I'm a nice guy. No, no. You would have yeah. said it like that. No way. Uh, so Victoria, um, you ultimately decided to write a memoir about your experiences. And this is, this is probably not an easy read for anybody to go through because you do detail some of what took place you know, uh, how long ago was it you decided to write this mem- memoir? I started writing it when our daughter was in the NICU and the medical injuries come up and I had no one to talk to. I had no one with me. And so I had my laptop and I just started screaming the laptop because I couldn't scream. I couldn't yell. I couldn't use my voice. So I just started doing it because I was getting interrogated constantly by this person and this person, the platoon and the base commander and this and that and the other. And I'm constantly being questioned. It's like, well, who saw him break your nose? Well, I'm sorry, but nobody's going to say, don't break it yet. Let me see who's standing around. Wait, nobody does that. So they were like, well, maybe he really didn't break your nose. Or maybe he really didn't strangle you. Even though the pictures show two thumbprints here and his other fingers here. And like, well, maybe you did it to yourself. Put your own hands here. You can't You can't do it. And they actually measured the length of the bruising. And it was his. I mean, he admitted it in audio. So not really he said, she said thing. So mm-hmm. I had an amazing um, respiratory therapist who was helping me with faith. And she comes in and she's like, you would do so much for so many of you would publish that. 
And I was like, are you serious? Have you met him? Do you know? And, he, and they're like, yeah, um, this would help so many people. And it took me a little more than 10 years to do it. And the first page talks about, please accept my apology for the grammatical errors in here because I never planned on publishing this, but I wanted it to be as raw and real. Um, the only thing that have changed in the book are geographic locations and names for mm. others. And right. I've never read it. I wrote it. I never read it. Um, I vented it out, panel scratch sheet that said Michael's character name is, and then that's who he was. Um, so that's how I did it. And now I've had people say, I'm writing page 384. And on that page, this is what starts. And I can instantly tell you the rest of it without having to look at the book because mm -hmm. when you're telling the truth, you don't have to recall what you said to whom. It's just there. Right. So <laughs> that is, and he he's in the book. He hasn't read it yet. Whatever, well, hopefully, but um, that that's why I did it because, and I actually had someone tell me they, that the book saved their life because they were right. out of nowhere, couldn't handle life anymore, they felt alone, mm -hmm. um, and this gave them the hope that they could get out. Yeah. And that's really what your story is, is a story of incredible hope that you went through just tremendously brutal circumstances. You went through hell, um, an extremely long road to recovery physically, emotionally. And to this day, obviously, there's scars as well as there's physical limitations you now experience as a result of what you suffered at his hands. Um, and yet you continue going and you even have a, a show that you run mm -hmm. as well. And you, you help other people. So you've taken your pain and your struggle and made it your life's mission to help other people. So they might not, they, that you might save some people from suffering everything that you went through. Uh, do you care to share a little bit about what you do there? Um, well, we both do a uh, contagious smile, which um, we offer group classes and social classes for your, both special needs and anyone covering from domestic violence or regular abuse. Um, because a lot of it goes hand in hand. A lot of special needs kids are abused because mm. of the extra weight it causes the parents to take on. And so we have classes. Um, we'll be doing summer camp, like Writer Wednesday, where I'll be helping them figure out how to write. We're going to make a big deal about it. We do a Sunday showcase where we take a child and make them a superstar. Like, mm. we just, you know, we had a totally inaudible child, and he literally just wanted to, to dance and rap. And he started rapping. We made this huge ordeal about it. And then he ended up taking it to the school to show everybody and they put it on the school television for everybody to see, which is super wow. cool. Yeah. That's amazing. To be able to do things like that. Uh, it must feel like incredibly heartening work to do. And, uh, I, I don't know. This is this is only speculation on my part, but I wonder if maybe you wouldn't take all this this struggle and pain out of your past because of what it enables you to do, the ability of empathy and compassion and understanding you now have for individuals who've been through this. Having been through that yourself allows you to connect with these individuals in a way that someone who's not been through this never could. And then you, be, you can become uh, a trusted uh, confidant really to them and a mentor to them. And so... Um, I think it's it's just absolutely phenomenal. You've taken what is just uh, you know uh, basically a, a life of hell and turned it into one one of joy and one of um, creating transformation in other people's lives. Yes, thank you. Yes. So I, I'd like to close out with just uh, maybe some words of wisdom. I know, Michael, you're a man of few words, but I'd love to hear from you, maybe your thoughts. And, and really what I'm thinking about is like helping, you, you know, you yourself didn't suffer the abuse, you yourself didn't suffer, you know, but instead you were by the side of someone as they emerged from this very, very dark place, having been traumatized, you know, as, as the person that's the support in the relationship for someone who's gone through such tremendous difficulty, what would you, what would you share for anybody else who might, who might be in a relationship with someone 
someone who's been through this this level of trauma? Uh, folks, don't don't wait around. Uh, get whatever assistant uh, means of help that you possibly can for that victim, that 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 friend, that lover, um, that brother or sister, uh, whomever. Uh, get get them away from that attacker, that abuser, that predator, because you only see a small portion of what they're going through. Um, and remember, they have to sleep with that that monster at night. They have to close their eyes and live in fear. Um, and and if you're not that person, you don't understand. Uh, but it is it is to the benefit of you know them and possibly their children or unborn children uh, to get them out as quickly and safely as possible. So, you know, look, look at the signs all around, you know, the verbal, the, the nonverbal cues, the body, um, the body language, the clothes, you know, clothes tell a lot. Uh, look how uh, disoriented they are coming into the office, coming into work or not showing up or showing up three days later. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, just, just hone in on these uh, these these cues and and do something about it. Say something um, because it's going to go unpunished. Otherwise, would would it would it be possible you encounter some people who are afraid to leave and who, who absolutely you wish could you could help get out, but they themselves you know either won't leave or actually go back. Right, and 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 you know being on the law enforcement side that I was, I, I all I saw was black and white because I went to multiple, just, just hundreds of domestic violence uh, cases. And I, I could not understand. I could not fathom why the woman would not leave, you know, and, until I, I stepped into that, that lifestyle, that, that light and understood from their perspective, you know, there's children involved, there's, there's safety issues, you know, even, even pets, some victims won't leave because their pets are in, in the same household. Hmm. So yeah. Well, I mean, Michael, you're, you're just a prince of a man. And I think uh, it's, it's so incredible that, you know, despite your maybe checkered past, you know, you, you've more than made amends by uh, becoming the man that you have and being the support that you have and now doing the work that you do, not only for law enforcement. I mean, I have a, I have a world of respect for anybody who puts on a uniform and service. So you've certainly got my respect in that regard as well. And uh, but now to continue doing the work that you do, um, my, my hat's off to you um, very much. So well, thank you, John. We are, we're happy with what we're doing at uh, A Contagious Mob and um, advocating for special needs families. And also, you know. We're starting to finish building our kennel system and we're going to help with the support dogs. That's and amazing. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely incredible. And uh, Victoria, you know, um, I mean, uh, my hat's off to you as well. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's unimaginable what you have been through and how you've got to this place. And it, you know, my daughter in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what age is your daughter now? Uh, 15 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a teenager. <laughs> 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 and they go at If you've ever seen grumpy old men, that's how <laughs> it is. It is exactly how they are. It's, it's a sight to behold. Is that it? It is hysterical. We should sell tickets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. You know, and, and it's really hard to sort of condense all of your experience into sort of a nutshell of wisdom as well. But I just think if you've got some some words of wisdom that you might, you know, just something that somebody could take away from this from your perspective, having been through what you've been through and now you're on the other side of it. Something maybe you wish that others would have known 
um, that, that you wish maybe you would have known starting out? Well, that's actually pretty simple. I'm finishing up my second book and third one's kind of in the woodwork, but um, going through this all by myself, you know, the average woman doesn't know what they need to do to get a TPO or a restraining order or, you know, how to get out safely. And most women go back because they um, don't have an executed plan of escape. And that's why they go back. So I tell everyone that I talk to that they do have that inner light and they have, they have survived 100% of their worst days this far. And that resonates with people. I mean, you're here for a reason. You can get out. We can help you figure out what you need to do because that's when the intense element of fighting comes in when that person thinks that they're going to leave. And so you get your stuff together and have a plan in place. We also help write resumes and help find jobs, um, do all sorts of different life skill classes to help out too. Um, and we've been doing this out of our own pocket from day one, which is getting very expensive. So that, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. You know, and I, I think that's really, really profound advice to say that you survived a hundred percent of the days. Like I, I can see now how hundred percent of your worst days you've survived. Don't give up now because that in itself has demonstrated just incredible strength. And so, um, you know, I just want to thank you both for, for being on, uh, for being willing to share what's an incredibly difficult story as a part of furthering your incredible mission with a contagious smile. And uh, really, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to uh, chatting with you more. Thank you so much. John. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for tuning in to Between the Before and After. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, or leave a review because that helps this podcast to reach and inspire more people. I love exploring the stories that take place between the before and after, the powerful experiences that shape who we become, and I love human potential. I love the possibilities that lie within us. So whatever you may be up against, I hope these stories inspire you, because if you're still here, your story's not done yet, so keep moving forward. Anyone can come from any place of brokenness and destitution and build an amazing life.